to this episode of Outtakes. Today, I'm joined by Suzette Jacobowitz, and she is our Director of Research. Hi, everyone. Today, Suzette and I are going to talk about attribution. So a few months ago, we had David Dye on the podcast, and he spoke about our attribution stack at Outfront. So today, though, we've since then launched a number of different studies through the stack, and we're going to focus on our mobile survey offering and share a great story that everyone can take back to their clients that worked really well for one of our um, recent campaigns here in New York. One thing to think about as we talk about our attribution studies and what we've done with mobile surveys is that we've actually done these across a number of different categories. So taking today's story, it's very interesting. It's for a D2C company, but if you do have a client, don't hesitate to reach out to us. We might have a story that might be a little bit more relevant for them moving forward. So Suzette, can you talk a little bit about how a mobile survey works before we dive into a proper case study, really understanding what that process is like and what the experience is? Sure. Um, A lot of um, the advertisers we work with actually really prefer to do mobile surveys. It's our most flexible offering in that it allows us to measure not just um, exposure to inventory above ground, but also it allows us to measure exposure um, to inventory underground. So if someone in New York or Boston or D.C. wants to measure the impact of the live boards, we can do that. Or if someone wants to measure the impact of a brand train, we can do that as well. Um, The other thing that is really good about mobile studies is it allows us to measure or allows us to measure a a variety of different KPIs. So um, instead of just your standard footfall or website visitation, if a client is looking to measure brand awareness or a change in brand affinity, you know, whether someone liked the brand or didn't like the brand before and now as a result of seeing the ads, they like the brand, they can measure that. Um, So it's really flexible. It's very customizable. Um, You know, sometimes clients have their own survey ready because they've been using the same survey across all the different media that they use and they're looking for a consistency. Sometimes they don't have a survey, they don't know what to do, and they rely on us to put it together. You mentioned that these are very customizable and they're very easy to do. Mm-hmm. Questions that comes up a lot, and interestingly for everyone listening, is that surveys are is one of our most popular studies that people run with attribution, and that's largely because it leans into those awareness metrics, which is very much a reason people do invest in out-of-home. So when we think about the people on the panel and who's taking this survey, how does, how does it work? Sure. So... M4 um, has a panel, it's called Surveys on the Go, and they have about two and a half million panelists nationally. Um, So what happens is when we get a request from someone who has a client who's interested in doing attribution, and we've determined that they're looking to measure awareness or change in perception or something like that, we suggest a survey. Um, What they'll do is they'll provide us with the media plan. We'll then pass the media plan on to M4, and what M4 is looking for, um, first of all, is they want to understand, is it a multi-market campaign, is it one market? Um, how many different formats are being used. Um, They're also taking into consideration, you know, knowing that they're a national panel, how many panelists they have in each market, what the response rate of those panelists are when they've taken mobile surveys before. Um, And once they do all that, they get back to us and they tell us, you know, in a given market, 
Um, they think that they can get a sample of anywhere between 150 to 300 completes per cell. And what I mean by per cell is typically when we do a, um, a study, we're looking at a control group and an exposed group or a pre-campaign group and a post-campaign group. So we know we're going to get you know between 150 and 300 respondents per group, which is really good. It gives us um, a stable enough sample to be statistically significant. And for advertisers and agencies who are really savvy in research, having um, results that are in the 90 to 95th percent um, confidence level is really important. I'd say those numbers, the, 90, the statistically significant element has been very important in conversations we've had from attribution. I know that a lot of clients have come back and shared their own research standards and they hold themselves to those numbers as well. So it's something that we do abide by and focus on when we think about our attribution panel to make sure, or our attribution studies rather, to make sure that we are um, getting results that are actually impactful and very true and honest to a client. So if I am on the M4 panel, how do I get the study? So what happens um, once we go through all the steps to determine feasibility and we're ready to get the campaign launched, um, M4 will geofence all of the inventory. So anything that's above ground or if we're measuring something underground, uh, live boards or a brand train, if we know what lines the, the brand trains are running on or what stations the live boards are in, we can then start, well, M4 will start to geofence the entrances and exits to the station. So um, when once we have feasibility determined and we finalize the questionnaire and everything's ready to go, um, the next step would be for M4 to geofence the inventory. Um, and by doing this, what they're then doing is capturing um, their panelists' device IDs as they pass through the geofence. And when panelists pass through the geofence, um, they are then, um, I guess they get an invitation, a little ping in their app, um, and they're invited to take a survey. Um, they have 24 hours to take a survey. Um, if they don't take the survey within the 24-hour period, the invitation expires. But if they do pass through the geofence again, they will be invited to take the survey. But you can't take it twice. You cannot take it twice, correct. Great. So I think this, this should help everyone understand the process and what a mobile survey is like, the fact that people who are moving about their daily lives, they've opted into taking these surveys. So you do have people that are ready and able and are going to respond to um, to the surveys they get. So you will get those results and you will get those responses. But now moving on from the process, it's always great to put that into context with an actual client experience. So I mentioned earlier, we recently ran a study in New York City with a D2C brand. It wasn't their first venture into out of home, but we did see positive results even though they had run with us before. Correct. Um, in this particular case, they were looking to see if their campaign message resonated with consumers and what, if any, impact it had on um, brand affinity or intent to purchase. So, Suzette, as we dive into this campaign, for the listeners, can you paint a picture of the where that campaign ran, kind of what the assets were like? that the creative was strong? Sure. Um, in this particular case, it was pretty simple. Um, they used um, only two formats. Um, they utilized the Times Square Tower um, at 42nd Street and Broadway, and then they also utilized brand trains. 
So they had these great big, um, you know, units at the Times Square Tower that were very eye-catching, and then the brand trains, obviously, for frequency. Makes sense for the tower that that's very easy to geofence, and I know you mentioned earlier that when we look at surveys and measuring underground, it can be challenging, but that the mobile surveys are a way to go. So what did you geofence to capture anyone who saw what was happening on a brand train? Right. Um, in this particular case, um, it was brand trains. We don't always know which lines the, tr- the are being utilized for the brand trains. But we knew that the majority of the campaign was happening in Manhattan. So M4 geofenced all of the stations in Manhattan to capture anyone who may have been exposed to any of the brand trains. And there were qualifying questions in the survey to make yes. sure that people got Correct. off the subways. Obviously, we live in a very vertical world Correct. in New York City, so yeah. Um, yeah. sometimes people are in right. office buildings on top of subway right. stations. Right. So what they do is they geofence the entrance and exits to subway, so of course anyone on the sidewalk can be passing by these and also pass through the geofence. But then within the survey itself, they're asked a question um, if they have ridden on the subway in the past 24 hours, and anyone who is not is immediately disqualified. Great. So what were the results like? The results of this campaign were really good. And we do a study, um, typically we ask general awareness questions, just which ads do you recall seeing um, around, and um, it's all top of mind, and usually the respondents rattle off like pretty much any ad that they may have seen, and then we try to narrow down their focus. So the next question is, whatever the category this advertiser is in, you know, which ads do you recall seeing for this category? And this is where we start to see, you know, the names that are either the brand itself or the competitor brand start to bubble up. And in this particular case, this brand, which is a fairly new brand, being a DTC brand, actually was one of the names that came up top of mind when asked for this category. So that's always a very positive thing for a brand to see. And then the next question would be um, for respondents to choose from a list of brands which ones did they that they recognized. And again, we saw that this brand was a pretty well um recalled brand, not the top or the second brand, but still pretty high up. Something that's significant to note there I mentioned as Mm -hmm. we were introducing the case study is that this particular Mm -hmm. brand has run with Outfront Mm -hmm. more than once. They also do other types of media. So they had that brand familiarity, but it still grew. The campaign was still really successful in helping to continue to drive that high ad recall. They weren't number one. But they are growing in their market share, and the campaign showed that by continuing to advertise, they were really able to continue that growth and that upward trajectory into the consumer mindset. So it was really good. Um, Then the next step is what we call forced exposure, where um, within the survey, um, respondents are actually shown images of the creative from the campaign, and they're asked... Um, which of these images, or did they recall seeing any of these images um, on any out-of-home ads? Um, So we found that 48% 48 of respondents recalled seeing the ad after forced exposure to the ad, which is really, really good, um, considering that it, you know, was in one market and it basically ran, you know, in two locations. Um, So it was was very high um, ad recall and the client was very happy to see that and we were happy to see that. 
One thing that's important to note as you're hearing the results, these are specific to this case study. We don't have benchmarks because every client is at a different life stage in their advertising cycle, their brand familiarity. Um, We do have many benchmarks within the out-of-home industry that we can share at another time. But 48%, for example, is very strong for this brand because of what their numbers typically are. Other brands may have higher or lower, and we've seen numbers across the board. But this campaign, what's always great for us is when the client is very happy with the results because it means that the campaign exceeded their traditional benchmarks. Exactly, exactly. And then to further that, um, when we went on to ask them about um, their interest in the brand um, and purchase intent and how they felt about the brand, 81% said that they wanted to learn more about the brand as a result of seeing the ads. 78% said that they were more likely to consider purchasing from the brand, and 72% said that seeing the ads made them feel better about the brand. And those are all really good numbers, and the client was very happy um, that they were able to um, kind of drive this change in perception and purchase intent. Suzette, this was great, and I think for everyone listening, it really showed how our attribution stack works a bit, at least in the mobile survey element. We talked about the process for mobile surveys and how you can go about activating them for clients, but we also highlighted the different types of results clients can see, so it's everything from traditional awareness metrics for ad recall, but also looking at likability, purchase intent, all types of things that your clients may be measuring, and especially when they're looking to out-of-home what their KPIs may be. If anyone is interested in learning more about attribution or has clients that might be a good fit, please reach out to attribution approval at outfrontmedia.com. And thank you for listening. Thank you for having me. Until next time, over and out. 